Welcome, everyone, to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz. Want to welcome all of our viewers. Hope you're enjoying your evening or morning, depending on where in the world you're located. For those of you joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit our website at deadtalklive.com. You'll find all our featured episodes, interviews, upcoming guests, prior guests, and a whole lot more. Also, if you haven't visited any of our other social media platforms, we are available on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter under the same name, Dead Talk Live. And for those of you that are on YouTube right now, please go ahead and hit the thumbs up button if you like this broadcast. Let's go ahead and welcome some of our viewers today. Let's start with Instagram today. We got Miguel, Kaz joining us, Lagos. Joel is with us. Gustavo is joining us. Marie is moderating on Instagram. On the YouTube side, we, of course, have our moderator, Singer Chick and Khaleesi. Saz is also moderating the other four platforms. Uh, welcome to you guys. CC Weezy is joining us on YouTube. On the Facebook side, we've got Philip, Sammy, Lindsay, Sylvia Kennedy is with us as well. Alberto is also joining us. Welcome to all of you. I hope you guys, like I said, are enjoying your Saturday evening or Sunday morning, uh, wherever in the world you're located. And I got to start off with this. How many of you guys have been hearing over the last several days what's going on with this whole GameStop Wall Street thing? Uh, it's confusing. If uh, It's very confusing if you don't understand the logistics behind trading stocks and so on uh but basically let me sort of break it down into layman terms uh the big multi-billion dollar wall street hedge funds are shorting stocks and what shorting stocks means in the simplest way i can put it is they are betting that that company is going to fail that's the easiest way I can describe it. It's their way of betting that GameStop is going to fail. Uh, GameStop has been very slow to switch from their brick and mortar stores over to the digital side of things, which everything nowadays is digital. Uh, the way of the gaming CDs, DVDs, they're going away. Whether you like it or not, they are going to be a thing of the past. Everything is going to become digital. And GameStop has been, you know, behind the curve in uh, making their adjustments. But it's not just GameStop. Uh, these multi-billion dollar hedge funds are betting that also AMC, which airs The Walking Dead, is also going to fail. So what these group of day traders mostly you know people in their early 20s even late teens uh they have been combating this and making these multi-billion dollar hedge funds lose a lot of money they are they gather up on a reddit group and they decided to buy what they thought was undervalued stock for gamestop and AMC, and there's another company too that I forgot. There's three major ones that are really being shorted out, and they're buying it up. 
Well, over this last week in particular, GameStop's uh, stock price has gone up over 1,500%. It's ridiculous. Now, I read an article yesterday in regards to Chandler Riggs, who played Carl Grimes on The Walking Dead. He's in the hospital. He had minor surgery. But in a tweet that he released last night, he's saying that he is going to participate on the march against Wall Street. Now, why are these day traders pissed off? Okay, that's that's probably what a lot of you guys are asking. They're making a lot of money. They are raising the stock price up. The multi-billion dollar hedge funds are losing money. And these, you know, Main Street day traders, young kids, young adults are making money. But they use this platform called Robinhood, uh, which allows you to trade for virtually no fees. Uh, So Robinhood, what they did is because of the volatility of the stock price rising to huge levels, they have uh, restricted trading on the GameStop stock. So the everyday Joe who wants to buy stock or sell stock in GameStop, AMC, and whatnot, they're locked out. But these Wall Street people who have other ways of buying and selling are free to do it as they wish. So as you can see, it's sort of a rigged game. It is a rigged game um, because they are favoring these multi-billion dollar hedge funds to continue trading while the Main Street day traders can't do squat. So you could see why they're pissed off and why Chandler Riggs is pissed off as well to them being locked out from trading these stocks. Uh uh, CC Wheezy writes, it's AMC, GameStop, and BlackBerry. BlackBerry, uh, you know, out of all three of those companies, I would not be upset to see BlackBerry go. They, uh, I'm sorry, that's a terrible thing to say. But AMC and GameStop, yeah, GameStop has been behind the curve. I don't know why AMC, they're betting on AMC to fail. I really don't. Uh, does it have anything to do with The Walking Dead? Does it have anything to do... I mean, AMC is not just AMC Networks. AMC is a huge corporation under which AMC Networks, which is the television network and airs The Walking Dead, is just a small piece. You also have to remember AMC also has AMC Studios, uh, where they make movies, they own IFC, they own Shutter, and then you also have AMC Theaters. Now, the AMC Theaters, I think, is the huge reason why AMC is being targeted. Not because they're AMC, but it's because the question and the future of movie theaters going forward is in big, big question on how they're going to proceed uh since this COVID pandemic hit. But anyway, it's a huge cluster. I woke up today and I started reading the news and this was the first thing. I've been sort of keeping up with it because I think it's amusing. But they're right. Those everyday day traders like Chandler Riggs, 
that have been, you know, locked out and they don't have the means to trade the stock, uh, even if they own it and they want to sell it, they can't. That sucks. That's unfair. While Wall Street can do whatever they want because they have the resources to continue buying and selling that stock. It's a rigged system. It really is a rigged system that a trading company uh, at their own whim can lock you out from buying and selling stock. It sort of takes away the notion of a free market when at the discretion of a trading company, they can choose whenever they want to stop and freeze trading on a particular stock. So anyway, that's the world we live in, though. It's it's a big cluster. And the only reason I know all about this and about shorting and all the other goddamn crappy stuff that Wall Street has done is because I, I became really fascinated with it, with the crash of 2008. And I really did my homework and research as to what led to that bubble exploding in the Great Recession of 2008. And just the information that I found out was uh, astounding, astounding at the, at the crap that goes on behind the scenes that us regular, you know, folk have no clue about. Uh, J.D. Smith writes, damn, even streaming on Saturday, you're a savage, Viz. Yes, I do stream on Saturdays, but I'm off tomorrow. Tomorrow is my one day of the week where I will not stream. Doesn't mean I won't be working, just means that I won't stream. But yeah, Monday through Saturday, I'm on the air. Uh, so welcome, JD, on Twitch. Uh, so let's get on to some news. Sorry about that GameStop uh, things. I know I don't know how many of you care or don't care, but I think it's amusing. And I wanted to share it with you guys. So let's see, let's see. Andrew Lincoln apparently confirms when the Walking Dead movie will begin filming. Uh, I plan to be back in America filming in spring-summer. Now, everything we've read so far has told us that the Rick Grimes movies are going to be filmed in the UK. Has that changed? Are they going to be filming now where? In Georgia? Let's see what it has to say. The Walking Dead star Andrew Lincoln has confirmed when the long-awaited Rick Grimes spinoff movie will begin filming. Lincoln left a long-time show two years ago, but news of a spinoff film have been discussed for some time. Speaking to Extra, Lincoln gave a further update on the project, saying with good intentions, and if everything works, I can leave my country. I plan to be back in America filming in spring-slash-summer. Uh, the full interview is available to watch on Extra TV, I guess that is. Uh, Lincoln had previously said the team is still working on it and also shared a memory of being approached by a fan to reprise his role. Oh, man, I can imagine the amount of messages that Andrew Lincoln gets on him coming back. Can you imagine looking at... Uh, that's why he's not on social media. Uh, Andrew Lincoln does not have a social media account. And uh, that's a smart decision because talk about uh, a message box that would be completely overwhelmed for the last two years. 
Anyway, he goes on to say, all I heard was, come back, come back, Rick, he said. It was so moving. I turned around and I just went, we're working on it. So that's my answer to you. We are working on it. Lincoln recently joked that his exit from the show was a terrible decision. He was joking about that because his kid liked, his kids really liked being in Georgia. He goes, take me back there. That's what his son would say to him. So, well, it doesn't answer my biggest question. Up until now, we have been told that filming was going to take place in the United Kingdom of the for the Rick Grimes movies. And according to Andrew Lincoln, he says he's going to be able to come back to America and start filming sometime in the spring or summer, the Rick Grimes movie. So which is it? Are they filming in the UK or are they filming in Georgia? I, I have no idea. Uh, Sammy wants to know, has anyone seen the movie with Andrew in it? It's called Penguin Bloom. I have not had a chance to see it. In fact, I have not seen any movies in the last three weeks and I'm getting cranky about it. So anyway, moving on, uh, Cloverfield sequel. Yes, we are getting another one. They are calling this one a true Cloverfield sequel is in the works. A true Cloverfield sequel is in the works, with Joe Barton set to pen the script, according to a report on a Hollywood Reporter. Sources have also indicated that, that, unlike the original, this will not be a found footage film. One thing we know for sure is that producer J.J. Abrams will return, hoping to recreate the magic that the original captured. Cloverfield, which was released in 2008, did just as the monster did to New York. It did the box office, earning 100, over $172 million on a budget of just $25 million. That is a good profit. Written by Drew Goddard and directed by Matt Reeves, the film starred Lizzie Kaplan- Jessica Lucas, T.J. Miller, Michael Stahl David, Mike Vogel, and Odette Eustman. The film follows a group of New Yorkers at a going-away party that end up facing the most terrifying night of their lives. A creature the size of a skyscraper descends upon the city, leaving death and destruction in its wake. Using a handheld video camera, the friends record their struggle to survive as New York crumbles around them. Keep it locked to the Horror News Network for the latest on Cloverfield. So, the last Cloverfield movie, which was showed us the origins and how that monster was brought to Earth with the space experiments they were doing, and it sort of altered space-time dimension and it transported this creature either A, from another planet or B, from another universe into our time plane existence. Uh, I thought that was a good sequel. Now, let's see what this one's going to be all about. Khaleesi writes, I love J.J. Abrams. So do I. He makes great movies. Uh, He's one of those big-time uh, big time directors in Hollywood. Uh, 
he does some great stuff. The Walking Dead Season 11, Jeffrey Dean Morgan is back to it. And that's in quotes. Do we really need to keep telling you just how busy things are in and around the Walking Dead universe? Just think about it. We have The Walking Dead returning for those six extra episodes, Fear returning for the second half, and the second and final season of World Beyond also in play. Though early 2022 wouldn't be shocking, and that's just to start the year off in the fall. AMC has already promoted the 11th and final season of The Walking Dead, and the seventh season of Fear the Walking Dead will see their debuts. And don't get us started on how 2022 and beyond are looking, but to get all of that, there's work on season 11 that needs to start, and it's work that Jeffrey Dean Morgan has officially started back on, as we found out from his Instagram post on Saturday. All right, uh, in the following post, Morgan shows off his nice, warm mini campfire and a frosty beverage uh, he's, as he's about to open up a personalized script binder for the 11th season that he received as a gift from his son. And once that's open, then it's official. And you could see the little uh, script that his son made for him. The, the Walking Dead, the last season. That's cute. Back to it. What we know so far about The Walking Dead 10C, uh, we all we know this. Hillary is coming as Lucille. Robert Patrick is coming on. Uh, this is the trailer that we've already seen. In the six new episodes, we find our survivors trying to pick themselves up by their bootstraps following the Whisperer War. Uh, and it goes over the episodes basically one by one. Uh, it's been a while. Let's see. The first one is going to be Home Sweet Home. That's going to be where Maggie... Uh, that's where we're going to get to see Maggie uh, confront Negan. Or Negan and Maggie come face to face. Uh, episode. The next one is called Find Me, an adventure for Daryl and Carol turn sideways when they come across an old cabin. It takes Daryl back to the years when he left the group after Rick disappeared as he relives a time that only the, the apocalypse could manifest. That's the episode where we're going to see what exactly Daryl did in, those, in that time jump to try to find Rick's body or Rick or any remnants of Rick Grimes. The next one is going to be called uh, One More. We're going to be seeing Gabriel and Aaron search for food and supplies to bring back to Alexandria. Small tragedies lead to bigger tragedies as faith is broken and optimism is fragmented when they are put to the ultimate test. Maybe that's the episode we get to see uh, that we've seen in the trailer where Aaron is holding a gun to his own head. Uh, let's see, the next one, Splinter, Eugene, this is where we're going to get to see the Commonwealth group. Eugene, Ezekiel, Yumiko, and Princess are captured and separated. Princess struggles with the memories of her traumatic past and tries to escape one way or another with the help of Ezekiel. Now, episode 21, called Diverged. 
Daryl and Carol come to a fork in the road and head their separate ways, each going into their own type of survival mode. Maybe there's another little, you know, tiff between those two. We know that things are not going to get easier on their relationship. They're actually going to get worse before they start to get better. The easiest of challenges become much harder with their individual journeys uh, be the tipping point needed to mend their friendship or is the distance between them permanent? It's not permanent. There's a spinoff coming between those two. And the final episode, the one that I'm looking forward to the most, called Here's Negan. Carol takes Negan on a journey, hoping to minimize the increasing tension. Negan reflects on the events that led him to this point and comes to a conclusion about his future. So reading the little summary, those little brief summaries on all those six episodes, it seems like Carol is going to be the prominent one in the majority of those episodes. Uh, it looks like she's going to be in at least three out of the six, as opposed to some of the other major characters that we have seen. So, I don't know. Uh, looking forward to them either way. The first one premieres on February 28th, and I'm really, really excited. I'm ready to get some Walking Dead back on the TV. Uh, let's see, what else, looking at the time, what else we got? We got a lot, actually, it's been kind of a slow day when it comes to news, not that rare, for a Saturday. Uh, movie called Knocking, okay? A gaslighting horror story that doesn't understand its own strength. This is a Sunday, this is a film that's premiering at Sundance. Uh, Friday Kemp's Knocking opens with an alluring hook. A foreboding overhead shot of a busy beach that all but screams. Someone is watching and they ain't good. Molly is napping on a blanket, unknowingly enjoying her last moment of peace as her girlfriend takes a plunge in the glimmering water. Then a scream. Kemp's film gets under the audience skin almost immediately. But that early power diminishes over the course of the slim 78-minute movie that, amusingly enough, given its gaslighting bent, never seems to understand its own strength. What we need, sorry, when we next meet Molly, she's emerging from a psychiatric ward after a prolonged stay. Details of what happened on the beach are unnecessary, but Kemp continually cuts back to that seminal day. Malaco's performance is strong enough that the audience already understands Molly's frailty. She's haunted by something as she re-enters the world. A purposely grating score overlays what seems to be an ordinary scenario, making a train trip feel queasy and wrong. Molly attempts to nest in an apartment on the outskirts of a nameless city. The place has big windows and a clean balcony. You know, I'm reading this. I'm sorry. It's not really grabbing me. Uh, let's see. The last paragraph says, A woman who's in pain, rooted in real trauma, lies at the heart of recent horror classics like The Babadook, the Nightingale, Midsommar, and Swallow. 
Knocking makes an early bid to join their ranks, but it grows less compelling and creepy as it winds on. There's more odd twists with no real purpose. Molly finds herself in an outsized scrapes that dilute tension, and its final 10 minutes contain bizarre bits of narrative nonsense that tie everything in a tidely bundle without answering the film's key questions and i just read a review on the movie and if you were to ask me right now what the synopsis is i can't tell you i have no freaking idea all i know is a woman the movie starts off with a woman on the beach she hears a scream next thing you know she wakes up in a psychiatric hospital so well either way what i did definitely get from that article is that whoever wrote this article, did not like the movie. I guess that's the bottom line. As a critic, he criticized it. Um, Philip says, I'm back. Uh, Philip says, love the Rick Grimes movie. Oh, we haven't watched it yet. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it suck if we watched that Rick Grimes movie and it completely sucks? I mean, have you guys even thought of that scenario? I mean, it's possible. Or is it going to be just so, we're just going to be so excited to see Andrew Lincoln back on the screen that regardless of plot line, story, bad CGI effects, horrible walkers, uh, we're going to just overlook that and just be so overwhelmed and excited that, you know, Rick Grimes is back, that we're going to love it either way. I don't know, but... I wonder if you guys ever thought of that. What if it's not that good? There is no guarantee it's going to be great. I mean, I think it's going to be good. They have a lot of potential. And uh, if they screw it up on the scripting side of it, you they can't use the excuse that they didn't have enough time to put together a good script. Uh, welcome to Jalupe on Instagram. Uh... Yeah, guys on Instagram, you know, you guys keep asking to be let into the live stream. As I've explained before, the way I stream is not the traditional Instagram way. I use a PC. So let's say even if I wanted to let you in, I couldn't. And no, sorry. <laughs> Uh, you know, if I'm going to have a guest on my show, it's pre-planned, arranged, and it needs to be done a special way. So for all the uh, Instagram people who just come into the live stream just to join it and be a part of it, uh, I appreciate it, but sorry. No. No. Moving on. Uh, let's see. Where do we go from here? Uh, 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 trying to find, like I said, it's been a slow, slow uh, Newsday, you know, before we get to the topic, let's do another review, okay? Like I said, it's Sundance Film Festival time. There are a lot of new horror movies that are being screened and reviewed and criticized. So this looks like it's not another great one either. This one is uh, In the Earth Review, Ben Wheatley's Patchy Pandemic Folk Horror, an ambitious Shoot, mid-lockdown B-movie boasts some eerie visuals and genuine suspense, but stumbles with an overly convoluted mythology. 
as films and TV production shut down, along with so many other industries, during the devastating year that wasn't, some creators found ways of using a restricted landscape to still make something, anything, a way to busy themselves while also keeping faint stream of content alive. A weak trickle, but a trickle nonetheless. For those of us who have been documenting the results, it might sound mean-spirited to say that the majority of them shouldn't have bothered, but that standard has been so very low that it's hard to say the risk was in any way worth it. Uh, from Anne Hathaway and Chawaitel Ejiforfs, sorry, I totally butchered that, detestable droning in Stephen Knight's complaining comedy Lockdown, to Sam Levinson's self-indulgent Malcolm and Marie, to Zoe Lister's Jones intensely annoying how it ends, it's been a grim experience watching films designed to draw us away from the grim experience that is living in this very moment. As a result, the thought of even more is enough to give one a migraine, but in a flawed yet fierce return to form, Ben Wheatley has crafted a fan okay, hold on with this one. Phantasmagoric Phantasmagoric treat with in the earth, an ambitious, atmospheric little woodland horror film on the sly last August and now premiering in this year's Sundance. Damn, that was harsh. Basically, this guy is telling basically all you guys who went out there and tried to produce content during the pandemic that we're all in, you were probably better off just not doing it. <laughs> all right. The MCU actor who might see as the Walking Dead, uh, Mercers, and I think they left a word out, and who, no, that's right there, who we might see as the Walking Dead's Mercer. We still have no idea who is going to play Mercer. On the Walking Dead. Thanks to the timely intervention of the COVID pandemic, AMC's The Walking Dead continues to move along in its extended 10th season following its supposed finale entitled A Certain Doom. News broke that the team, are, okay, six more episodes, we know that. Uh, I'm getting tired of rereading the same stuff just written by different people. Even with the Whisperer War firmly in the rear mirror, the Walking Dead's heroic cast can't rest on their laurels just yet. Aside from the hordes of reanimated corpses roaming the earth, they once again have to contend with villainous factions of living people attempting to interfere in their already difficult lives. We know that's the Commonwealth. Uh, will Michael James Shaw become Mercer? That would be interesting. As deduced, the Walking Dead community on Reddit, actor Michael James Shaw may be the frontrunner for the role of Mercer. And have no doubt about it, they have cast Mercer. They just haven't released who it is yet. And there's probably a good reason why they haven't released it yet. It's probably a big name actor. Marvel fans would recognize him best for his portrayal of ruthless Black Order member Corvus Glaive in both the Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. 
A Reddit user mentioned that The Walking Dead showrunner Angela Kang, as well as the official account of the show itself, recently followed Shaw on Instagram. Okay, so that's <laughs> that, that's how they got this theory. Angela Kang and the official Walking Dead uh, Instagram account followed him. I mean, he's a famous actor. Uh, but because they followed him, that has to be because he's going to play Mercer. I mean, there can't be any other explanation. Jeannie Pierre is with us on Instagram. Haley on Instagram says, oh my God, I love The Walking Dead. You know, is it me or am I being just a little bit overly critical today? I'm sorry if I am in my tone and what I'm saying. I'm just hearing myself speak and I just seem to be really overly critical. But come on, guys, just because Angela Kang and the official Walking Dead accounts on Instagram followed him does not mean he's going to play Mercer. It would be great if he does, but it, I mean, first of all, if you're out there and uh, you pay regular attention as to who Angela Kang or the Walking Dead official accounts on Instagram follow on a day-to-day -day or hour-to-hour -hour basis, uh, yeah, you have no life. <laughs> uh, Khaleesi writes, I do that too, as far as being critical. Uh, uh, Lindsay Sparks writes, no, not at all. But come on, do you guys agree with me? I mean, just because they followed this dude does not mean he's going to play uh, Mercer. Uh, in fact, trust me, Angela Kang and The Walking Dead people know very well that there are people out there who follow, who they follow intent, intently, and they may have done this just to throw you off. Trust me, they are very smart people. They know exactly what they're doing. Uh, and uh, they know how to do this. And it has led to Looper.com, which is n by no means a small publication, to write an entire article about it. Looper wrote an entire article about this, you know, and, uh, well, I don't know what to say about that. Anyway, you know what? Enough of the news. It's bringing out the worst side of me tonight, and it's better that I just move on. Welcome to Sam on Instagram, who's waving at us. Uh, Rebecca Barba is with us on Facebook from the Philippines, also saying, I love The Walking Dead. Welcome to Rebecca from the Philippines. Uh, happy, good morning to you. Good Sunday morning to you over there in the Philippines. So, let's see, we are going to be talking about witches today. And, uh, you know, witches date back in movies since the beginning of movies. The Wizard of Oz. Are you a good witch or are you a bad witch? The Wicked Witch of the West, the Wicked Witch of the East, North, South. Witches have been portrayed. Salem. Oh my God. How many movies have there, how many movies and TV shows have, they, have there been made on the actual real life events of Salem, Massachusetts back in 1692 when the Puritans believed that witches had overtaken their small little town of Salem 
all because kids were being kids and they found out that they had the power to blame other people, call them witches, and ultimately get them killed. And from what I've read about it, they really didn't have any bit of remorse about it whatsoever. But anyway, witches have been portrayed on both television and on the big screen since the dawn of television. They they have been shown as beautiful, everyday-looking women to the Wizard of Oz type of the Wicked Witch of the West and everything in between. With modern visual effects, uh, there have been some really great witch-type movies that have come out in recent years. One that comes to my mind immediately is the movie called The Witch. I don't know if you have seen that. It's a very good movie. Uh, C.C. Wheezy writes, one of my favorite witches is Rowena from Supernatural. Uh, I know, C.C. Wheezy, you are a big Supernatural fan. Uh, Witches have been portrayed for an entire season on American Horror Story, Coven, uh, where basically the majority of them were good witches. And uh, they wanted to keep... uh, their identities a secret because the outside world would not accept them and they are absolutely right uh khaleesi writes the writer of discovery of witches is a descendant of witches and witches are a real thing it's not fiction it's not imaginary there are real life witches out there and it's just over the years it's gotten a bad uh connotation with it that if you're a witch you're a bad witch you know you know you like in the wizard of oz you're a good witch or a bad witch well it seems like over the decades the bad witches have won out and if you go out there and you call yourself a witch then you are bad now there are witches out there who do practice the dark arts going a little bit harry potter there uh you know, Wizard and Witches, Harry Potter. There you go, right there. Uh, but the majority of them are white witches, which is, I believe, the official title that they use, white witches, which means they don't practice the dark arts. They're all about energy, spirituality, and so on. But, in, of course, in horror movies... You know, a horror movie is not really a great horror movie if you just focus on just the good witches. So, of course, in horror movies, all we get to see are the really nasty, evil witches. And these witches that we see in horror movies are usually not of this earth. They are witches that take on the name of a witch, but in reality are some kind of demonic force that takes on the role of the witch. One legend that has, this is real, that has been going on since forever is the old hag that has been seen and documented by people uh, throughout the world since the beginning of time. Uh, The old hag appears to various people in different places all around the world. They have documentations 
uh, of this phenomenon going way back into antiquity and beyond. Um, and, you know, if it's been told so many times, there's only so much of it that you can say is just legend or folklore. I believe there's something behind it. I have no idea what that is, but I really do believe there is something in it as far as the old hag syndrome. So I put, I found a video that discusses the witches that, you know, the scariest and best horror movies that are centered around witches. Uh, I think it's a top five or a top 10 list. So let's go over this video and see whether we agree or disagree with what they have to say. And here we go. There's some scary stuff in witch this. horror movies that will leave you shaken. Witchcraft is a concept that horror filmmakers have used for decades to frighten viewers. In the realm of witch horror movies, each director has added their unique flavor to make one's skin crawl via various innovative methods pertaining to this trope. This video will portray some terrifying witch movies of all time that will leave you shaken. Definitely worth a watch. Before we go into our list, we have a very small request. If you like our content, please support us by subscribing to our channel. This is a small click from you, but it means a lot to us. Thank you. Let's begin. This is the Witch, 2015, set in New England in 1630. William and Catherine attempt to lead a devout Christian life amidst impassable wilderness with their children. After being banished from a Puritan Plymouth colony over a religious dispute, when their newborn mysteriously disappears, their crops begin failing and the family members start to turn on one another. None of them realize that forces of witchcraft and black magic have been bestowed upon them. The Witch is a supernatural period horror film and Robert Eggers' directorial debut. It is an alarming portrait of a family who unravels within their sins, leaving them prey for inconceivable evil. Robert Eggers showcases this Puritan nightmare by adhering to the tiniest era-appropriate details. The settings, costumes, and dialogues display his immaculate craftsmanship, and the film doesn't lose its touch of realism even by incorporating eerie supernatural elements within the story. Although it transcends into the traditional horror flick, it paves the way for a potential new category, known as elevator horror, whose impact is delivered not through jump scares, but instead via ambience and sonography. Eggers exhibits this with his use of lighting, various camera angles, and themes. Drag Me to Hell, 2009. A lone officer named Christine is competing with another colleague for a promotion in an attempt to prove to her boss that she is capable of making difficult decisions. She chooses not to extend an elderly woman's mortgage. The woman, who is now in fear of losing her house, retaliates by placing a curse on Christine, perpetuating a series of tormenting events for her over the next few days. 
This supernatural horror film marked veteran filmmaker Sam Raimi's much-awaited return to the horror genre. Raimi incorporates several jump scares and cheesy digital effects at the onset of this witch movie. It displays bright colors and visually appealing cinematography while building up the tension. Alison Lohman portrays the lead, which makes her an appealing, controversial character with enormous depth. Although the movie doesn't contain as much blood and gore compared to Raimi's past work, viewers can identify its nod to them with his trademark feature of black comedy. It blows the audience away with its practical effects, including green screen, puppets, and CGI animation. Moreover, it has excellent camera work and a breathtaking score by Christopher Young that transports viewers into the world of the supernatural. Blair Witch 2016. This film follows a group of college students and their local guides venturing into the Black Hills Forest in Maryland. They are on their way to uncover the mystery of the prior disappearance of Heather Donahue, one of the students' sisters. This found footage horror film directed by Adam Wingard is the sequel to the famous The Blair Witch Project. It incorporates an array of freaky jump scares and suspense that keeps viewers at the edge of their seats. Wingard scares viewers using sudden loud noises complemented by the shaky camera to enhance its frightening impact. It is a modern take on the entire Blair Witch series with tonal differences from the original film. Moreover, it contains logic with simplicity but still succeeds in invoking an intense vibe. Its lucid writing and haunting special effects add to its eerie overtone and its dread-inducing reality-bending story arc keeps the audience hooked. Although it is often compared to the first installment, critics fail to recognize its impact on the legacy of the Blair Witch Project. The Autopsy of Jane Doe, 2016. I don't see While investigating the murder movie. of a family, Sheriff Sheldon and his team are puzzled when they find a strange body in the basement that does not match the crime scene. He brings the corpse to the coroner, Tommy, and inquires about the case of death. Tommy's son, Austin, who was on his way for a date with his girlfriend, decides to help his father instead. It's a good thing that he does because they uncover some creepy secrets about Jane Doe followed by a series of ominous events that endanger both father and son. Director Andre Uverdahl creates an incredibly eerie witch horror film that portrays an outstanding performance by Brian Cox as the coroner Tommy. The plot successfully toys with viewers' emotions that modern horror movies do not engage with and exhibits a dark atmosphere. It has stellar cinematography that incorporates stark detail into camera techniques and lighting that leave the audience with the constant anticipation of something overwhelming right around the corner. Furthermore, Andre Uverdahl intelligently uses the setting and special effects to make the characters shudder with fear, and by doing so, the viewers. It sheds light on a wholesome father-son relationship as a subplot, which comes as a pleasant surprise within the otherwise suspicious, sinister vibe. I don't see, I'm sorry, but the autopsy of Jane Doe is not a witch movie. The Lords of Salem, 2012. 
This plot focuses on Heidi, a troubled DJ living in Salem, Massachusetts, when a mysterious wooden box containing a vinyl suddenly appears. Assuming that it's the demo of a rock band, she plays it and is immediately transported to a past trauma flashback. Soon she begins having strange hallucinations and discovers that she is entangled with a coven of Satan-worshipping witches. Rob Zombie presents this supernatural horror film with a classic 70s psychedelic satanic vibe. It portrays Sherry Moon Zombie's best performance to you date. You think with Rob Zombie can actually do a Wallace, movie where Patricia he doesn't Quinn use his wife in it? Foster. I mean, this I don't want to criticize that, but I'm just laying it out there. That might invoke a nostalgic Argento vibe. Its use of colorful architecture and aesthetic background scenery makes it a visually stunning film. It has been influenced by several classic horror movies and contains a vibrant storyline. Viewers especially enjoy this film because it has a different tone compared to Rob Zombie's past works. It incorporates Sherry Zombie is I like her. I think she's a great she's a good actress. Rather than his typical edgy vanilla character. Let me pause her for Overall, a second. Overall, like I said, Sherry Zombie, she's good. I've liked her and everything I've seen her in. Uh, Devil's Rejects, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, uh, The Halloween. She's great. But why is it that she only works in Rob Zombie movies, which is her husband? Uh, is that her decision? I'm just really curious. Is it just it, is it their decision together as a married couple uh, that she exclusively works with her husband as a director, uh, or is it that she's not asked to do other roles? I have no idea because she's. She's a good actress. I just don't see why she only appears in her husband's movies. Viewers seek a movie with a blend of witchcraft and Satanism. This movie is undoubtedly worth watching. Marie, it's a good thing you're not watching. The Wretched. 2019, a rebellious teenage boy struggles with his parents' divorce when he suddenly finds himself facing a thousand-year-old witch posing as their next-door neighbor. This supernatural horror film directed by the Pierce brothers has the perfect combination of a likable protagonist, decent practical effects, and a brisk pace. Although the plot is simple for a horror film, it is intriguing and keeps viewers engaged with its visual and sound effects. It presents good acting and has an excellent opening sequence. The Pierce brothers created a concise film with no unnecessary explanations or overwhelming impact. It managed to invoke a creepy vibe throughout, and the story has a coming-of-age feel with careful attention to makeup and special I saw effects. this quite recently. It's pretty good. <laughs> Suspiria, 2018. Susie Banyan, a young American ballerina, travels to Berlin to study at the Marcos Tanz Company, one of the world's most renowned dance schools. On her first day, she learns that one of the students named Pat, who had recently been expelled, is murdered. Soon she realizes that this wasn't a singular occurrence. Her suspicion increases when one of the other girls tells her that Pat was guarding a dark secret. This remake of Dario Argento's 1977 masterpiece expands upon the folklore of his Three Mothers trilogy. It contains a great cast consisting of talented actors like Dakota Johnson and Tilda Swinton. 
in lead roles and has a coherent dramatic plot accompanied by a logical climax. Director Luca Guadagnino creates a doer, political horror epic with a rather bleak tone. He incorporates two important themes, falsifying the sentiment of motherhood and the link between spiritualism and art form, making it a very thought-provoking watch for viewers. Every shot showcases its gorgeous cinematography, and it is also accompanied by a somber musical score. Although it isn't an exact rendition of Argento's work, it is certainly an expansion of the same, which can be interpreted differently. Dario Argento is a genius. Underrated. Hereditary, 2018. After Annie's mother passes away, she, with her husband and children, mourn her passing. The family adopts different methods of processing their grief, leading Annie and her daughter to both engage with the supernatural. This leads them to have otherworldly experiences attached to sinister secrets and emotional trauma that they learn have been passed down through generations within their family. This modern-day masterpiece directed by Ari Aster is a tension-filled, thrill-inducing witch horror movie with elements of the occult. It makes viewers undergo a spectrum of emotions that range from sheer terror to absolute hopelessness and sorrow. It has a dark atmosphere for most of the film and top-notch cinematography to accompany its chilling vibe. Tony Collette, Millie Shapiro, and Alex Wolf all portray outstanding performances that truly sell the grim personality that overtakes the entire household after the matriarch's death. Although this film doesn't have too much blood and gore, it displays sufficient violence and caters to all aspects of viewers' emotions with nuanced characters. Moreover, it realistically shows the lengths that people can spiral to after losing a loved one and succumbing to trauma or mental illness. Overall, it is a fantastically modern witch horror movie and a must-watch. <laughs> Original the Blair Witch Project, 1999. Three amateur student filmmakers, Heather Donahue, Michael Williams, and Joshua Leonard, hike into Black Hills Forest to find the fabled Blair Witch. A year after their adventure, there is no sign of the three students besides the raw footage they left behind. After viewing this footage, people shudder to think about what became of the trio within the dark woods. This found footage horror film directed by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez breaks all the conventions of a feature film and is a masterpiece of the found footage horror genre. Even without an all-star cast, exotic filming locations, and over-the-top special effects, it showcases brilliant performances by the actors. They share an intimate experience with viewers based on an excellent script. The acting is very authentic, and the slow progression into hysteria is well documented. Despite the shaky camera, the characters' reactions and fear are captured well. Moreover, viewers can empathize with the despair they feel as they realize the direness of their situation. And directors make no compromise with the delivery of dialogues. Being a found footage film, one of the most important aspects is its editing style, which was flawless and made it a movie with a large cult following. <laughs> Mark of the Devil, 
1970. All right, we're going to stop right there. It's a great video. Uh, <clears throat> I just, what I don't agree with that video is a lot of the movie selections that they picked to highlight. I never thought of them as witch movies. Uh, spiritual, demonic, uh, yeah. Like, the big glaring one for me is The Autopsy of Jane Doe. That's not a witch movie. Uh, we don't know what Jane Doe is. Is it a demon? Uh, but witch would not be in my top three list of what I would call. Uh, it's, it's more like a demonic figure that... Uh, best describes the, uh, the the supposed dead body of Jane Doe. Uh, Khaleesi writes, I felt hard for this movie, felt so bad for them, then to find out the truth, that it was all fake on the Blair Witch Project. Anyway, you guys, it's uh, it's been a treat, as always. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, visit us on deadtalklive.com. Uh, if you're on YouTube right now, it'd be greatly appreciated if you hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. Please, if you're not watching on YouTube, head on over to our YouTube channel, Dead Talk Live, and subscribe. I won't be on the air tomorrow. I'll be back with you guys on Monday to start a brand new week. Uh, sign up to our newsletter at deadtalknews.com to be apprised of any upcoming announcements and the latest news. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for this week. Thank you so much for joining me this week. You guys are awesome as always. Stay safe. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And I will see you guys again on Monday night. And until then, stay walking. Good night and have a good weekend.